You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in Dark Pod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off, and then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language... Content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this very brand new episode of Disability After Dark. 
I am your deliciously disabled delectable host, Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and shine a bright light on disability stories, shall we? Let's start. Yay! First things first, I gotta give a big shout out to one of our Patreons that keeps a bright light shining on the show for us and put their harder money down to do just that. So for today, the Patreon shout out goes to Katharina Storch, who pledged 44 pounds a year to keep the show going, which is super awesome. And because of that, they get the show one day early. And they get a very sexy shout-out. And you, if you want to support this groundbreaking show, can do so by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledging as little as $1 a month up to $5 a month or more, or even choosing a yearly amount if that works for your budget. And then you can hear the show one day early and get a weird shout-out too. But Katerina, your shout-out... Katerina, your shout-out is... That you scorch my heart so much with your pledge that it makes me so happy. And I chose scorch because it rhymed with storch and that sounded really good. So, so Katharina, I never said that the pun would be good, but there it is. Thank you so much for your pledge. It means the world to me and I really appreciate it. And if you're listening and you can't pledge, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends. Talk about it. Uh, write in to me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and let me know about ideas for the show. All those kind of things. Any kind of support for me as a creator means a lot to me. So I really, really appreciate it. And I thank you for listening to this little show that I make out of my bedroom. So that's cool. Also wanted to let you know that this program has been nominated for another Canadian Podcast Award. Wow, that's really cool, right? We are nominated in the Outstanding Adult Series section as one of the possible programs that could win, which I think is so cool, and it's so awesome to be recognized in that way. And I I just wanted to let you know that this show is... Again, an award-nominated show, so that's cool. And it's all because of people like you listening and supporting and talking about the show, and I really, really appreciate all of it so, so much. But now, let's get on to the show right now. This episode kind of came out of nowhere and came out of the blue, and I have a little bit of a story behind how this episode came to be. You know how much I love the show Special by my friend Ryan O'Connell, and you've heard him on the show a few times now, and I was contacted by his people a while back, and they said, would you want to have Ryan O'Connell on the show to talk to you about Special Season 2, and would you want to be one of the outlets that he talks to? And I was like, that's amazing, that's really cool, and I got the chance to preview all of Season 2 of special a little bit early and it's actually out right now on Netflix but I got the chance to watch it about a month ago and it was really really cool and really really awesome and and so Ryan's people and the people that helped to push special on Netflix said 
you know, would you have him on your show? Would you talk with him? And I was like, of course. And I, this is, it was just really cool to be given like a special secret, like Netflix password to watch this show before everyone else did and not be able to say anything about it for like, for like such a long time. I couldn't say that I hadn't seen anything about it, but I have to tell you, I watched the show in one day as we hear in the interview with Ryan and we talk about, we talk about the, the, the 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 new season season two of special and how the show grew and changed and was important and Ryan shares with us his his feelings on the show and I really highly recommend that if you haven't seen season two yet before you listen to this episode pause this and go watch all of season two and then listen back to this episode because we talk about things like the crib prom we talk about things like his relationships. We talk about things like devoteeism. Uh, we talk about his relationships with another disabled person and, and the, how the character of Ryan is growing and learning and is flawed. There's so much that we do here and I loved having him on again and I loved having the opportunity to use the platform of Disability After Dark to talk with Ryan about this groundbreaking program that really has changed the game for disability representation on television and in the world and Ryan O'Connell is such a bright light in this sphere and he's such a great human being and somebody that I really really respect and anytime he says can I come on your show or I'm asked to talk with him I feel so so honored because we work in similar spheres and we do similar stuff and we just really respect each other and you can hear that a little bit in this interview um, we, we just have a real affinity for one another, and I loved hearing about season two and some of the, the choices that he made as the creator of the show and why, you know, those choices were important. There was so much that we talk about. I could sit and just do this intro for like five hours, but it was so great, and I am so excited to give you a sneak peek of season two out on Netflix right now, season two of special Created, written, and produced by Ryan O'Connell out on Netflix right now. Here's my interview with the creative special, Ryan O'Connell. All about season two, right now. From Disability After Dark podcast. Connie. Can't hear you yet. He's still connecting to audio. Oh yeah, perfect. There he is. Hi, Andrew. Uh, Hi. Have 55 minutes for this audio only interview. Um, I will send you timing cues in the chat. So please look out yeah. for those and okay. uh, go ahead and say your name and your outlet and then you may begin. Andrew Gerza, Disability After Dark podcast. You may begin. Hey, Hi. Hi, how honey. are you? How's it I'm going? Good. I'm good. This is so professional, isn't it? We're not we're not using the, like the weirdest. Yeah, we're used to a more DIY affair. Yeah, this is not I've never recorded a show like this before. Um, well, I'm so glad to have you back on Disability After Dark. How are you today? Um, I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I am so excited to have you back here for a really exciting reason because the second and final season of your show special is premiering 
on the 20th by the time this airs will be the 23rd so it will have aired three days ago how do you feel about it coming back um i feel really good about it we've we've been i've been living with it for a long time it's been two years from season (laughs) one coming out to season two which honestly actually is kind of a breeze if you think about season one it was like four years to actually get made so two years is really just a blip but um but yeah i'm really really excited i feel like i've been pregnant for two years and i'm just beginning to to crown you know what i mean yeah yeah well I don't know, but I'm sure that it's... Need me either. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm guessing. Now, like, I have heard... I've heard so much about... From the community about how excited they are for this second season to drop. And I was one of the lucky ones who got to see some previews of it. And I gotta say, this show is... It warms my queer, crippled heart so much. Oh, thank you. Um, it is... Just uh, it's just a masterpiece of the things I think queer disabled people and disabled people generally want on TV, some kind of representation of themselves. But tell me a little bit more, like being that it's a story where a queer disabled man or queer, especially a queer disabled fictionalized version of you is centered. How do you feel bringing all that to the table? I feel really good. I mean, I feel like I was really heartened by the response from the disabled community for season one. I think that was something I was always a little nervous about. And so season two, I felt like I didn't have to worry about that. I had to worry about other things, but I didn't have to worry about that. So it felt, it felt really nice also given having the real estate because season one, I felt like I was always playing against the clock of like 15 minutes and like having to cram so much in. And this one, I had a luxurious, sexy, full 30 minutes. And so I really felt like I could kind of dig in deeper and have moments breathe. I think that's the thing like about season one. And I think it just, everything was so quick. And I, I think that helped us in some ways in terms of like bingeability. Um, but yeah. I think I think season two, things can kind of marinate a little bit more and things don't happen so fucking quickly. So that felt great. I mean, I mean, speaking of bingeability, I watched season two in a day because I oh was my God. obsessed with it. Okay. I watched, I remember I got the link and within about, and you know, I was texting you being like, oh my God, yeah. this is great. I love this part. Like <laughs> within within six hours, I was done. And I was like, this is this is amazing. We need, where's more? I need more. So oh, thank you. Um, it still has a bingeability. And I, I know from talking with you, you also expanded because you wanted to give the character of Kim and more of a, a storyline. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in season one, she kind of was there as my emotional cheerleader. And like, yeah, we got a little bit into her stuff in season one, but it was never as much as I wanted to. Also, Poonam yeah. Patel, the actress who plays Kim is so incredible. Like, You just want to give her more things because whatever you give her, she's going to kill it. So I really, really wanted to expand on her and be like, where does she go after she's done with work? Where does she go when she's done, you know, hanging out with Ryan? And, um, you know, season two, we kind of drag her through the mud a little bit. Like she's goes through a lot of shit, but um, I think it's kind of great. Yeah, she goes, I mean, that that character and that actress, like I, I agree with you, giving her more to do and giving her like a, a B side to the stories was really great. Cause it, it also, I mean, the show is also about diversity. So not only do you have a gay disabled man in the center of it, you also, you also were, were centering, you know, people of color and you were centering mm-hmm. different stories too, which I think is really, really 
cool because the whole show then becomes a piece about here are not your typical like not just your typical able-bodied white people doing things here's a whole different different um angle to take yeah i mean i think i think what the cool thing about special is that like we have three main characters one um gay disabled person one uh you know a woman of color curvy and then and then uh you know a 55 year old woman and ordinarily i feel like those characters would be like the side pieces to like the main character but now they they all get to be like the delicious main chorus which i think is really cool i love all the pieces with your character's mom is they're just incredible like your character's mom uh was also for anyone who doesn't know was the was was on Friends years and years ago. And as soon yes. as I saw her, I was like, oh, they got Susan from Friends? <laughs> Amazing. I know, I know. You know, it's funny. I'm not the biggest Friends fan. So I don't even, I, I knew she was in Friends, but everyone, it's so iconic. I understand. But I like truly didn't really know her from that. I, I watched her in an episode of High Maintenance and I thought she was incredible. That was like my main thing. That was my Susan, was her in High Maintenance. Um, no, she... That she's actress, just, Jessica Heck, right? She's, yes. She's, she's incredible. Amazing. Just like, I want to have her on the show to talk about, like, about playing your mom. Like, there's so, there was so much from that, from that relationship with Ryan and his mom. And she killed it every time. And it was just, wow. Like, wow. Um, I loved it. It was great. Oh, good. I, I wanted to ask you about one of the things this show does really well and like this season in particular when I watched it you know we talked about that it's bigger in scope and size and kind of what it explores but I also felt like in season one it touched on ableism and queerness and like what it was to be disabled and queer and again because of the time constraints you didn't really have a lot of time to dig into that Mm -hmm. and I feel like in season two everything was bigger it was a little bit bolder in its exploration of like the ableism disabled people go through on a day-to-day basis from, you know, Ryan's boss, who also, I don't know who the actress is who played your boss, but oh my goodness, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> She's great. Marla Mendel. She's amazing. She's actually my boyfriend's writing partner. Um, and she's like a Broadway actress and she's just like so fucking hilarious. I love her. Oh, wow. She had me on the floor laughing at oh, everything good. she did. But, but, you know, from her, from his boss, asking him to only write disability pieces to, you know, him, Ryan going home with a, with somebody who he later finds out is a devotee. Um, you really push the envelope on talking about things that I think every disabled person, like I was nodding my head through all those scenes going, yep, been there, yep, been there. Mm-hmm. Like you, like you really push it. And what did it feel like to be like, I'm going to just put this out there. I'm going to just tell this. I'm going to show what this is. Well, especially because we knew that this was the final season from the jump. It was like, I mean, not like I would ever just like hold back, but I think there was sort of this feeling of like, okay, we have one last season to do this. Like, let's just fucking go for broke. And um, I mean, I don't necessarily get in my head too much. I mean, I think I think when you start breaking a season, at a certain point, you become the story's bitch, where like the story tells you where it needs to go, and you're kind of just like a vessel, and you're like, okay, this is like what what needs to happen. I mean, I didn't want Ryan to kind of realize. Ryan comes from a really empowered place at the end of season one, where he comes out of, of having CP, and he thinks that he's sort of done growing, he sort of did the thing. But I think um, season two 
he, you know, he realizes like there's microaggressions constantly as a disabled person. And that's something I really, really related to because, you know, when I came out, when I came out about my CP, uh, when my book came out in 2015, I also foolishly kind of was like, okay, babe, she's evolved. She gets it. She's like, <laughs> oh, she's disabled. She's disabled and loving it. XOXO. But, um, but then I kind of, it was not that easy. I mean, I think when you live life, honestly, it kind of brings a new set of complications with it. And I think yeah. Ryan understanding like, oh, there's such a thing as inspiration porn or this or that. Like that to me, I also went through that journey of realizing just how like micro, how many microaggressions there were coming at me every day that I just become so used to. I mean, I remember taking an Uber with my boyfriend and then the Uber driver just turned around and goes, you know, what's wrong with you? And my boyfriend was, uh. well, my boyfriend was so shocked. You know what I mean? Like my boyfriend was like, that's insane. I'm like, oh, that actually has happened like a few times. Like I've, like, I've had people ask me like, what's wrong with me? Like just up front. And he was so blown away. And I realized how much I had normalized that experience. You know what I mean? And I think you do it as a means of survival and just like, you can't, you can't metabolize and unpack every single troll. Otherwise you'll end up like in a doom spiral for the rest of your days. Yeah. But yeah. it was it was kind of crazy how much I just don't even think about the things that people say to me or the things I experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And I love like I love the scene. By the time people are listening to this, they'll be able to watch the show. So I'm gonna say it. I love the scene yeah. of you and the guy who the guy who was into you because you were disabled. And I love <clears throat> how you're like in this really hot scene and you're making out and things are going really well. And then he says like Oh, I, I can't remember what he, exactly what he says, but oh, I really love your your legs and your Stars. how you have disabilities and and Ryan's just like, oh, okay, this is like the look on your face, Takara. I yeah. I was watching it in bed and I was just like, yep, been there. Like so, I just feel like it was so that scene was so poignant. What was it like filming that scene with the actor who played the the sex partner there? Well, it's so funny because, you know, prior my, my sex scenes had been with Brian Jordan Alvarez and Max Jenkins, who are two people that I call my friend, like I'm friends with them. I've known them before the show. So there's a familiarity with Jeremy. I had never met him before in my life. And our sex scene was actually the first thing we shot. So it literally oh, was, wow. like, it was like, hi, nice to meet you. Hello. Okay, great. Okay. I'm going to fetishize you now. Okay. Fantastic. So it really, <laughs> it really was kind of being thrown into the deep end a little bit. And I have to say, Jeremy was so fucking incredible. Like he, sex scenes are really difficult. And I feel like you just have to kind of be there for your partner and kind of intuit what their needs are. Kind of not unlike real sex, actually. Um, yeah. And I think Jeremy was just so like giving and generous and like really helped me kind of in and out of the scene. Because also the jarring thing about sex scenes is that you're going through this really intense thing and then it's like, and cut. And then you're supposed to like snap out of it and then go back into it. It can get kind of like whiplashy emotionally. And yeah. I think I think Jeremy was like very cognizant of like assuring me in and out of the scene. And Brian was the same way in season one. And I just, I feel like I lucked out because not everyone is like that. Some some actors have been doing this for a long fucking time and they're not there to like do the emotional labor and they're just like, whatever. And I think Jeremy was just like, he just showed up in such a spectacular way. Ended up, and honestly ended up being one of my favorite scenes to shoot. I mean, it wasn't fun per se, but it was really, it was really a unique and cool experience to 
have. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I think to put it on, to put that on screen, like when you look to camera after he says it and, and you're, he's on top of you trying to get down and you're just like, what? what? You look at camera just like, what the fuck just happened? I and know. I just, I know. I mean, that was so, as a disabled person who's been there in real life, when that, when, when it wasn't being filmed, I was like, yep, I know exactly how that feels. And so I think you really, those scenes, bring such a realness to the experience of being queer and disabled trying to hook up and trying to have a sex life and we we brush up against this kind of stuff and we never get to see that dramatized so I think I love that you went there another scene that I love was when you're with your boyfriend and you want to the character wants to top Mm -hmm. and you have to you have a discussion about like you can't you're not sure if you can and what position and like that also was really really groundbreaking in terms of these are what this is what disabled people go through, especially mm-hmm. disabled queer men who want to engage in like the typical queer male sexual experience and yes. then realize that they can. So I love that as well. Well, you know, <clears throat> I thought that was interesting because I think I've suffered from like performance anxiety in the bedroom and, and feeling like, am I measuring up to my able-bodied partner? Am I able to really bring it sexually the way they are, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, and I think by the way, like, every gay man, regardless of whether or not they're disabled, can kind of relate to that feeling. I think that we all have these kind of inadequacies and these like sort of um, these feelings of not being enough in bed. And I, I, but for Ryan, it's like a very real thing. Like he, he, he doesn't know if he can top or not. He's not quite sure if he actually can and whatever. So I thought it was just an interesting way again to use disability to get to the specificity of that moment. But again, I think every gay guy that can watch that is like, oh, I've, I've had topping anxiety before, or I've, you know, I've felt inadequate in the bedroom. So it's, it's kind of a nice example of storytelling, how it can get specific, but also tell a universal truth. Yeah, yeah, and you really did that. Another, another thing that I love about what you've done here is just, I loved this, the, the flashback scenes of Ryan as a little boy and mm-hmm. you and I texted about that because as soon as I saw the, the actor that was played the younger version of Ryan, I said to you, you, you hired a disabled actor and you're like, of course I did. <laughs> so yeah. tell, me, tell me a little bit about that process and, and bringing in a disabled well, child actor. Like I said to you, I'm like, I don't know if we have the strongest resemblance, shall we say, but, um, <laughs> but um, I will say, like, I did say, you know, it was, it was the pool of, you know, um, disabled infant child actors is not as wide of a pool as you want it to be. He was, but it was very important that we get it right and that we hire a disabled actor because, I mean, I don't know how long I'll be in the position to give people jobs. And so while I'm in that position, I want to give all the jobs. I want to be like the disabled Oprah, who's like, you get a job, you get a job, you get a job. Um, Because I know that that's the only way people accrue opportunity and gain power in this society is through opportunities. So um, it was just really, really important while I have this like speck of power that I utilize it as much as I can. And of course, I'm always gonna feel like I could have done more, da, da, da. but getting a disabled uh, actor to, and also like, it just it just felt like, it wasn't even a discussion. It was like, this is what it's gonna be. Um, so yeah. it, was, it was really fun and it was really amazing. And I think Jessica killed those flashback scenes and, um, you know, but we, but I think we talked to Andrew or maybe, I don't know, it's funny, you know, I feel like I've become so radicalized in my disability and I've become more radicalized like with each passing day. 
And I feel like the ending of the episode four is really beautiful because it's, it's Karen not knowing if Ryan's going to be able to walk and whether or not he's going to have to be in a wheelchair. And she, you know, obviously has a lot of um, anxiety about that. And then he takes his first steps at the end and she's kind of overwhelmed with this relief. And it's this kind of emotional sweeping moment of victory. And what's, what's interesting about that is that like when we were writing it, like I didn't have the language or it's so hard when you're showing something in the medium of television, because you almost want to write, yeah. like a, you almost want to write a disclaimer. That's like, okay, but Karen, you know, why is it so important that Ryan is able to walk? Like why, like, why can't he just be in a wheelchair? Like, why is this such a victorious <laughs> moment? Like what's going on? And ob obviously, you know, Karen in that moment is feeling relief because she knows that, I mean, she doesn't know, but she doesn't have the language to articulate this, but she understands that we don't live in a accessible society. So someone who is able to walk will have an easier time navigating this world than someone in a wheelchair. Yeah. So that's her relief. It's like, my child will have an easier time. Now, the thing I want to interrogate though, is like, like that's fucked up. Why is it so important that when we see disabled people you know, take a step or triumph over in quotes of their disability. Like, why is this something to see to get rid of? You know, but, that, but, though, yeah, yeah. So it's like interesting. It's like like if I had done that episode today, I think I would fold in that discussion. Like I would like because like, like to me, I don't know. Anyway, it's just an, it's just to me. I'm not trashing the episode by any means. I I'm very proud of it. Everyone's an amazing job, and it's a very emotional moment. But, it, but I, I think it's just really interesting how I evolve in my own relationship to my disability, like almost in real time, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, just from being your friend for a couple of years now, yeah. like we've, we've talked about that and I've seen that in what you're doing and like the, the character of Ryan also, what I love about his character is that while he's evolving, he's also <laughs> flawed. He's flawed as fuck. Yeah. And I, I gotta say, I really enjoy that about the character because he's not always the most likable person in the room yeah and and i yes. enjoyed that for him because typically because you know you were centering a gay disabled person one might expect the character to be super lovable super nice nothing goes wrong he's great but you didn't do that here you really dove into his messiness his like his the nuances of ryan that weren't super great and i like that as too i mean i just think tv characters should reflect real life humanity and i think as we know is that no one is 100% likable no one is 100% unlikable we contain multitudes and <laughs> i think uh i think it's really really important that you have a character whose alliances you're with are constantly shifting i think you know sometimes you're rooting for ryan sometimes you're like oh my god this bitch needs to get a shit together he's so annoying like i think it's really really important that you kind of oscillate wildly with your feelings because again like as a disabled person like I think we only are allowed to, we're allowed to exist, but we're allowed to exist in these very narrow confines. And yeah. I think it's just really important that we show the thorniness and the complexities of their, our humanity. Yeah, completely. Um, okay, I have to get to one of my favorite, two of my favorite scenes. Sure. I loved when Ryan goes to the disability support group. I yeah. was like, this is great because I saw my friends and people that I know from social media were there. And I was like, so and I was cool. like, this is amazing. This is great. Like, I loved seeing that there was, you know, women of color with disabilities there. I love seeing that there were mm -hmm. so varying levels of disability there. I love that it was something Ryan was learning about. I also love that he he meets the potential love interest at one of these 
at mm-hmm. one of these at this at this at this meet at this group. And I love that this person had they were on the autism spectrum, right? Yeah. Um, and I just thought that, that was really cool because a totally different disability, totally different experience. Mm-hmm. And the two characters were reviving. And that I just thought that was also something we never see. We never see, we have never seen, I don't think, two disabled people on screen flirting or mm-hmm. like planning a date or like, you know, being being intimate and being like sensual. And I really enjoyed seeing that on during the scenes. Yeah. I, okay. There's like so much because it's like so that that whole like dynamic between Henry and Ryan is so interesting because it's like when we were writing it in the writer's room I think initially we had broken it as a very pure kind of love triangle the kind you would see in tv shows before which is like is Ryan going to choose Tanner or is he going to choose Henry but yeah we kind of moved away from we have that a little bit but we kind of moved away from it because I really wanted to create something that was true to life which is like gay men typically when they become friends there's always this kind of like feeling of like are we gonna hook up or are we friends or (laughs) or are we kind of both bottoms or like what's happening here I just feel like there's something like so true to life and gay experience where you're like you always have this like window of opportunity of like what is this how are we going to define this and I think it's not as that it's not that big of a deal do you know what I'm saying like it's like it's like when Ryan goes to crit prom and he's like oh my God, I'm sorry. Like, I, we didn't work out. Like, to Henry and Henry's like, babe, like, we kissed once. Like, life moves on. I brought a date. Like, I just thought, like, I just wanted to, I just wanted to show, like, how gay men do these things because it can be kind of different. I just, again, I think there's, like, this very yeah. heteronormative, like, are you going to choose Joey or Jen? Are you going to choose, you know, like, Noel or, um, you know, Ben from Felicity? Like, Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. So it's like, I just feel like, like, I just kind of wanted to almost, I know this is like antithetical to like storytelling because you always want to have like stakes and you want to have like, you know, whatever. I feel like I kind of took the teeth out of the storyline a little bit, but I wanted to just show how it is for gay men, which is like, it's like, this felt very true to life. And then I love that they literally, it just ends with them both being like, oh, LOL, we're both bottoms. We should just be friends. And then like (laughs) the the story of, of, how Henry even came to be was I met Buck Andrews who plays Henry as he uh, as a writer's assistant. He was the writer's assistant on special. Um, I ran into my friend Sam Lansky and my friend Sam was like, I, like, well, hey babe, like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm looking for writer's assistants for special season two. He's like, oh, I know this guy Buck. And I'm like, well, does he have any experience? And he's like, no. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm kind of only looking for people with experience, like no offense. And he's like, yeah. uh, he's like, you just need to buck, meet Buck, like trust me. And I'm like, he was so insistent on it. And I like, I like pushed him and I was like, why are you so obsessed with me meeting Buck? Like, I don't get it. He's like, just, you'll meet him. You'll understand, whatever. So Buck and I meet. And again, we have very different disabilities, but like, we are very similar. Like we are like, our brains are very similar. The way we talk are very similar. Do you know what and I just, I felt such a kinship with him immediately, like in a way that like, I've never fully been seen before. And I think, um, so anyway, he joined the, the staff obviously. And then halfway through, we're like, you're a star, you're an actor. Like I'm writing you a part. Like I'm writing you this part. You're going to be in, you know, four out of the eight episodes. And, um, you know, he'd never acted before, but <laughs> neither, neither had I. And you know and look at you now you're <laughs> look at you're me now a big star now like come on we saw, i saw you on the cover of of l right you were on the cover yeah. of you were like yeah. i saw i was like yeah i see that like yeah. you're doing it so like i i, I loved 
that character and I, I I just thought it was really cool to see that I also loved so much Crip Prom that was what I want like oh that was so what fun. we all wanted as disabled people we wanted I that know. So like, oh I know I know well that was really fun to shoot that we had shot that right so we had we had shut down because of the pandemic so we had shot the first four yeah. episodes and the pandemic happened and we had gone back to shoot in September and Crip Prom was one of the first things that we had shot when we were back now two things number one being in a room full of people in the age of corona was anxiety producing and oh yeah yeah it was a journey and uh even though our like by the way we had not one positive covid test the entire shoot chic yeah um, good amazing but, but it was like it was a lot of anxiety and it was like the one thing we had that really was like a lot of people like we kept on being like what if there's like no people like and i'm like honey this is supposed to be seen as victorious if ryan goes to a crip problem and there's like literally one person in the background you're gonna be like <laughs> uh this is his crippled utopia i'm confused um yeah but anyway the point is like, like everyone had basically been living at home and like been isolated for months right so not only was it amazing to be on set for the first time with more disabled people than there was able-bodied people. But I think we had all been so starved for connection and human experience and touch and all these things that it was just so soul nourishing to be in a room full of other disabled people after like period, even if there wasn't a pandemic, I think it would have been emotional, but I think it had been doubly emotional because of the circumstances. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, not gonna lie, I cried when I watched that scene, and I watched it twice because, like, you don't ever get to see disabled wheelchair users in a room, like, with and a whole bunch of different disabilities, not just wheelchair users. Everybody was there. I also love the relationship with Tanner because I love that. I love the way you and he spar in the series and how the fight you two have at the end, where you're basically breaking up, was I loved it because, first of all, you never see a disabled person like fight yeah. with somebody on television that or anywhere really. So that that I thought was really powerful. I also loved that when he was at Crip Prom, there was a point where he was trying to make friends with the, with your with Ryan's friends I and know. was trying to was trying to be he was he was trying. He wasn't doing super Fine. great, but he was he was really trying. And I love that during the you know during the fight with Ryan Tanner says, well, you know, I didn't take disability studies. I don't have a PhD in this. I'm just learning. And I felt that was really important for disabled people to see that like, if you're going to be engaged with a non-disabled person and you're bringing them into a world they have no idea about, you can't expect them to just know they need time to, to yeah. immerse themselves in it. Yeah, I, I, it makes me so happy to hear you say that because my rule for fighting, writing fight scenes is that both people need to be right. So I want you, like, I want whatever Ryan says, I'm going to be like, oh, point made. And then whatever Tanner says on you, I want you to be like, point made. So to me, it's all about nuance and complications. Like, it's all about, like, to me, Tanner's right, Ryan's right. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think Ryan is totally, I think Ryan's at this point where he is realizing, and he says this in the finale of, like, my whole life, I've been, you know, making sure everyone around me is comfortable. I never thought once, am I comfortable? And I had that same kind of awakening. So Ryan's having this experience with the Crips where he's being radicalized for the first time. And I think it's sort of this overcorrection of anger and frustration. And Tanner kind of represents that, I think. And 
But so I understand where you're coming from. At the same time, Tana really is just trying and he doesn't have a PhD in disability studies. And so he's not gonna have all the answers. But then again, I understand that like, Ryan wants to be with someone that fully gets his identity. He's been explaining his identity to everyone his whole entire life. He doesn't want to have to do that yeah. with Tanner. So anyway, I'm glad that you felt that kind of like that push and pull because that's really what I was trying to create. I mean, I kind of felt bad for him, for Tanner when he was at Crib Prom and like the you, Ryan's friends were like, uh, of course I don't know this person because like, yes, it was a funny joke and like totally they were right. But like, yeah. If you're just trying to like make conversation with a disabled person for the first time and you don't know what to do, like it could be harsh to be harshed out by, by by like these really preppy disabled people that are like, why are you doing this? So I felt kind of felt for him. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, oh, I feel bad. I know. I kind of love that like the Crips are just kind of bitchy. I kind of like love that. Like I like like I because to me, I, I wanted to emulate the high school vibe of the Crip prom. And I just like love that they're like talking shit about Amy, the girl that only wears glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, you know, it like, worked. I remember like someone I think an executive gave a note it was like are they being too rude about Amy and I'm like honey this is how people talk you know what I mean it's and it's, like, it's supposed to be funny it's supposed to be it's like it's funny. a joke it's funny yeah. it's a joke like you know what I mean she's like entering this space she has bad vision god bless <laughs> I mean but. I mean there was there was so much in that scene like I just can't and I also love the Henry Ward dress. Like I love yes. how, I love how like queer it was. I love how disabled it was. And a scene that had nothing to do with Ryan, but I gotta say, can we talk about um, his mom's friends at the dinner she goes to? Oh, amazing, Carmel. Oh my God. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, you know, I mean, again, like a bunch of people over the age of 50 just talking shit and like laughing is my heroine. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> that's what I need. I need it in my veins, like do it, whatever. So like, yeah, I, I loved having Karen find a sense of community. By the way, very similar to Ryan. Ryan's finding a sense of community. Karen's finding a sense of community. I think this season is really about them finding their tribes so they don't have to need each other so much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I can't remember the actor's name, but I know who it is. But I just can't think of it. I'm like, you know who I'm talking about? Leslie Jordan, right? Yes, Leslie Jordan. Yep. Yep. yep uh, just okay, yep. because I saw on your Instagram like months and months ago that you were filming with him, and I literally was like, "What is happening? This is amazing!" <laughs> so I, I know his like he knocked it out of the park. His yes. little brief scene was amazing. Yeah, he's incredible. He actually wasn't supposed to be in it. That was originally supposed to be played by my friend Drew Drogi, who's incredible. He does the Chloe also videos. Amazing. He's incredible, right? So he was going to play it, and then he there was some scheduling stuff with COVID, and it was all COVID was such a fucking nightmare in terms of like whatever. Anyway, the point is that he couldn't do it last minute, and so we were like, I, let's like just try and see if Leslie's interested. And then um, he was, and it was really funny because I had to, I rewrote the character. I wrote the character for Drew. So then I had to rewrite the character for Leslie and doing like a Leslie Jordan pass on a script is so fun. <laughs> Cause you're just like, oh my God, what, what insane things can I put in Leslie Jordan's <laughs> mouth? You can know? I make him say, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So that was really fun. Um, what was the highlight for you filming this season? Like what was your favorite scene to do and why? Um, Definitely Crip Prom. I mean, Crip Prom, again, was just like, it was so amazing to not be the minority in a room for once. And I, and I, 
I thought to myself, I was like, God, like, what would it be like to grow up in a world where you are always the majority in a room? Like where, where, you know, or, or quite frankly, if you just see one or two other people that are like you in a room, like, what would it be like to just not be the only one that is this way? Um, yeah. That would have changed my whole being, I think. Like that would have changed it, my whole makeup as a person. Do you know what I mean? I can tell you, cause I know that there, I know that there are teenagers who listen to this show and who love your show. I know that that scene is gonna make them feel I'm 37 and it made me feel whole. I was like, okay, this is amazing. Like I had to stop and watch those scenes again because I have never seen it on TV. I think what you've done is, and I've said this to you a million times, but I'll say it again because it's true. You've changed the landscape of television now where disabled disabled characters can be so much more than a token. And this show shines a huge fucking bright light on that. And I'm, I'm just, I to be in your stead, I'm so proud. Like it's oh, just, thank it's you. So thank you. No, that, that means a lot to me. And again, having this response in the disabled community is beyond meaningful because I want them to see themselves in it. Even if they don't have mild CP or whatever, if they're queer, this or that, like, I just, I want, I want to create a moment. I want to, I want to bring humanity to the disabled community that we've been denied for so long, because like, if this show had existed when I was growing up, it would have saved me thousands of dollars in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean like right? yes yeah. I do <laughs> like to um, just be just just like have a place like Netflix like show someone that looked like me and walked like me and talked like me it would have told me that I inherently had value yeah yeah and I mean we of course you do have value but to put a character like this on television who's flawed who's disabled who talks about disability like I remember in season one when Ryan's boss uses the word ableism. I saw yeah. it in my chair. I was like, what the, f did she just say ableism on, on a network television show? What the, what just happened? What's going on? I know. I was I know. floored. So I know. you've just, you've done so much with this. Um, I wanted to ask you briefly, what do you want both disabled and non-disabled people to take from this final season? What do you want them to leave? Well, with? As usual with non-disabled people, I just want them to recognize the disabled <laughs> community, acknowledge that we exist and that we matter and that we talk when we talk about diversity, we should also talk about disability because we are, wait for it, one in four people of the population. Um, you know, I've talked about, I, I, it's so interesting. And by interesting, I mean fucked up to live in a time that has such a hard on for wokeness, for, for diversity and for inclusion, but then continually see disability be left out of those conversations. I'm mm -hmm. always waiting. I'm like, when's our turn, honey? Like, I feel like it's so interesting. And again, interesting is code for fucked up that disability to me has always, like has still never had that like watershed breakthrough moment. Like the way that I felt like Pose had for the trans community and all that stuff, like I, I feel like conversations around gender, sexual identity and race have deepened over the years and God knows there's so much work to be done. But I hope, I hope, I hope that the conversations around disability continue to deepen and people continue to see us as multifaceted, um, complicated, amazing people um, and giving and give us fucking jobs. And, you know, um, so that's that. And then for disabled people, I just, um, I hope that this 
continues to make them feel seen, to make them feel like they have value. And also I hope that this motivates them to, if they're creative or whatever, to work on their own projects and to feel like there's their voice has value and they have a home. Like they're like, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. just, I always say like, please just walk through life with the confidence of like Rob Schneider in the late nineties. Like literally like <laughs> Rob, Rob Schneider was horrifically unfunny and yet he made millions of dollars doing like Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, The Animal, all these fucking trash heap of movies. But do you think Rob Schneider probably like thought for one second that he didn't deserve Deuce Bigelow, John Gigolo? Like, no, he probably was like, no. I want this, I want that, I want that. So <laughs> I'm always like, whenever you feel like you have imposter syndrome or like, or that you don't, you know, your voice isn't worthy or whatever, just think of Rob Schneider checking his million dollar, checking, cashing his million dollar check for Deuce Bigelow and get to work. The, my, and my very last question for you, Mr. O'Connell, is this. You have said quite publicly that you want to create a whole bunch of disabled stories that you, yeah. this is what you want to do. Like, and I, you know, as somebody who is also a disabled storyteller, every time I hear you say that, my heart goes, oh, well, if he can do it, I'm going to do it too. And like, I want to, I want to do similar things in the podcast world. And that's, I just love having been given that green light by someone who I admire to be like, oh, well, if, if I can tell a whole bunch of stories, I don't have to just tell one. Like, I often feel like I'm stuck in the sexuality and disability discussion. Mm-hmm. But like, I want to mm-hmm. do five more things. So what I'm saying is thanks. But also like, what is, so what are the next steps for Ryan O'Connell's mission to bring disability the mainstream so i wrote a novel called just by looking at him that i wrote during quarantine by the way i feel like what you're feeling where it's like sometimes i'm like oh like i don't want to get pigeonholed as like the disabled queer person whatever like like i'm only going to do stories about that honey i can't help it like there's still so much stigma and so much things unexplored with disability. Like I, as a storyteller, I'm attracted to things that people just don't talk about, that there's a taboo attached to it, blah, blah, blah. That just so happens to be disability. So like, that's what I gravitate towards. Cause like, when can you yeah. ever, like how rare can you, it is to say that like, you can show something that's never been shown before in TV and film. Well, with disability, unfortunately, you can say <laughs> that's never <laughs> been seen before on TV and film. So just by looking at him stars a wait for it gay disabled television writer i don't know who that could be um <laughs> uh, and he falls down a rabbit hole of sex worker addiction and like it's all about um you know filling your hole to feel whole um and basically that's being <laughs> adapted into a movie um so i'm going to start writing wow. the screenplay for that yeah so i'm going to start writing for the screenplay for that and then i would star on that and so that's going to be disabled as fuck and then um i sold a show to hbo max called accessible that if it ever gets made would make uh history because the cast is like mostly disabled i would say like 90 percent disabled and it's all disabled teenagers like living laughing and fucking in high school so hopefully that gets made HBO Max, oh, wow. is this thing on like, HBO Max? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, there's so much to. There, I I want to sit with you for another five hours, but obviously we don't have that luxury because because time is money. Um, but well, okay. Well, first of all, when you need if you need an advanced reader copy for that novel, sign yes. me up. Yeah. Um, and then I'm just again, and I've said this to you millions of times. I'm so proud of what you're doing, and I'm so excited for people to see season two, and I'm excited for this to be out there in the world. And I just can't thank you enough for putting it there. 
No, well, thank you. It's really, honestly, I, I feel like whenever I get to talk to another disabled person about this, my, I just like breathe a little bit easier because I'm just like, oh, you just, you'll get it. And the conversation just flows so much. Like, it's just nice. It's nice not having to do like emotional labor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no offense yeah. to my able-bodied allies. <laughs> I, I love you. I respect you. XOXO. It's just, there's a certain amount of ease that comes into talking to another disabled person. Oh, I know. And I, you know, I love that you and I have been in each other's orbits and we've been compared to each other and we've been like, yeah. you know, at one, at one point we were like, somebody that I know was like, oh my God, did you see this guy, Ryan O'Connell? He's stealing your stuff. And I was like, no, he's not. He's doing cool things. Why can't we like support each other? So I'm yeah. just so proud. I'm so proud that like of what you're doing and to say that I know you like on a podcast and off a podcast and be, yeah. be able to like text my friend and be like, wow, you made a great thing. So proud. And I think what you're doing for disabled youth and just disabled representation is you, you like I said you've changed the game and I'm I'm excited to see where it goes thank you I feel the same way about you it feels so nice because um it's hard when there's so few of us and obviously there's a lot more and because of like systemic injustice and like being pushed out like other voices are not as loud as they should be etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. but it's like I just want us to grow a little army so there's a lot of us and I mean, you know. I'm there for that. I can wear army fatigues. Yeah. Um, yes, I love it. So how did the people, how can the people follow you? How can they get a hold of you? How can they support you? Well, I deleted my Twitter, which is a total power move that I'm obsessed with. And my life is so much better. <laughs> um, but I really just like mood transferred my addiction to Instagram. So it feels nice to be addicted to one thing rather than two things. So. Oh yeah. Film, speaking yeah. of your, hang on. Speaking what? of your Instagram, before your Instagram, the pictures you posted the other day, oh, I have feelings. Wow. You're Which like one? thirst traps. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, I, you're disabled. I'm, I'm laying so many of them. Well, season one, I felt like I was like serving like quirky disabled comedian realness. And then season two, I just want to be sexualized. <laughs> so um, I remember actually for, for Interview Magazine, the photographer came over who was lovely, but he sent me the mood board and it was like someone eating spaghetti. And he was like, how do you feel about eating spaghetti? And I was like, spaghetti, what are you talking about? He's like, I just want to get naked. And he was like, oh, that's amazing. Let's just do that. And then so we like, <laughs> we, we somehow went from this, I'm eating spaghetti to I'm just like naked in my bedroom, which was a great pivot. So like- You I, went from eating spaghetti to like, I want somebody to eat my spaghetti. Yeah, well, I was like, I haven't eaten spaghetti in weeks. Can't you see? <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, so sorry, I cut you off. How do the people? How can they? How can they follow you there? Oh, sorry. Um, uh, my handle is Ryan O'Connor on Instagram. R Y A N O C O N N. Fantastic, Ryan O'Connell, the creator, writer, and star of Special Season Two, dropping on Netflix. Well, by the time you hear this, it'll be out already, but it dropped May twentieth. Such a great show, and always lovely to sit down with you. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anytime. Smooch. Yay. Wow, that was great. Thank you. All right, everybody. Well, that's another beautiful episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. Thank you so much for sticking around and for listening and being there for every episode of the show. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com and you can book me for talks and see more of what I'm doing. You can also follow me on my Instagram and Twitter at andrewgerza underscore. That's where I do a lot of my disability justice and social justice stuff around disability. Have a lot of great conversations around disability and try 
to make disability accessible to everyone there. So follow me there. If you want to follow the podcast, you can download it on any podcast player, as well as you can go to the, our Twitter, our Disability After Dark Twitter, DisAftDarkPod on Twitter. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to support the show, again, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark to pledge as little as $1 a month or $5 a month. Also, please, wherever you listen to your podcasts, leave us a five-star review. It really helps getting, getting the show noticed. Also, if you want to be on the show, pop me an email at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Let me know your suggestions for show ideas, things you want to hear on the show, stories about disability that you want a light shot on. Thank you so much for listening. I'm, of course, your delectable host, Andrew Gerza. Let's stay comfy, cozy, and crippled, and we'll be back soon. Thanks, friends. Bye. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021